0: Bradley! Wrestling Inc. Wake on up and get it going. Pour yourself a cup of hot coffee, the hottest of coffee, because we are gonna have a big show, and you need to be alert for it here today. I am your managing editor of Wrestling, Inc., Nick Houseman, and I am joined here as I am pretty much every Tuesday by my good friend Michael Weissman. Michael, welcome back to the Tuesday Winkly.
1: Think you killed it right there, man! You knocked it out of the park, as they say in that one sport.
0: Thanks, buddy. Yes, yeah, I have a lot of I have a lot of great energy today. I'll start with the positive thing, and then and then we'll do a, a bit of a sadder thing to start the show. But the the positive thing is, not only are you going to get me and Michael Weissman here on the show today, uh, but we also have one of the biggest interview guests we've ever had here. On
1: the Winkly before, current... Wait, wait, wait. You said you said big show earlier. You said today's going to be a big show. Should we expect... here? Uh,
0: well, it's a big <laughs> yeah. show. It's kind big... of the opposite,
1: I guess, isn't it?
0: <laughs> For whatever reason, my girlfriend Liz, her absolute favorite wrestling theme song is the Big Show's theme song. She just thinks it's great. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't get it. You know what
1: I prefer? This is this is really insider and off the beaten path here, okay. but I, I I love the old Union music. Do you remember when they were the Union and they had that like that working man's like train and hammer hitting the steel sound? Now that was a good theme song.
0: You know, I'm here trying to tee up this big guest, and I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you all who this guest is, and Michael's like, No, 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 let's talk about the Union's theme song. <laughs> I feel like that is a much stronger way to start the show. No, guys, here on to the on the show today, current WWE superstar, former WWE US champion. Ray Mysterio is going to be on the show here later today. I got over half an hour with Ray. Uh, this uh, interview is in conjunction with the Fight for Autism campaign that he is currently uh, like spearheading. He's the global ambassador for this. I very much get the vibe this is his baby. Um, so we're going to talk to Ray Mysterio all about his Fight for Autism campaign, how you guys can contribute to that, and... Two-thirds of the interview, one-third of the interview we talk about fight for autism, but really the other two-thirds of the interview is going to be stuff I'm sure you guys uh, are going to sink your teeth into, maybe a little bit heavier, and that is uh, the career of Rey Mysterio, what he's up to now. We talk about Dominic, and and you already listened to this interview. I I sent you the link before the show, did I not?
1: Yes, you did, and yeah. I did not share with anybody. So you're
0: Good. safe. Good. And very explicit. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's about a, that. it's
1: a great interview, man. How'd you get 33 minutes with him?
0: You know, I was, you know, I just reached out to, to the campaign. I said, you know, um, with Wrestling Inc. If if Ray would like us to promote fight for autism, I'd love to chat with him about it. And bada boom, one thing leads to another. Sometimes, you know, people in this situation, they knew who I was, they knew who the site was, they had known other people I worked with, and they felt comfortable letting me do it. So I I appreciate everybody involved uh, for having that confidence in me. And, uh, you know, that's just it. Be nice to people. Be nice sure. to people and, and have have a goodness in your heart here. I Look, if nothing else, I'm very happy to help Ray with this fight for autism campaign. Uh, I, I, I'm 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 always so impressed when people like Ray or Pat McAfee, who I know is also very active in the uh, the charity space or advocacy space, I should say. I, I'm always so happy to, to help those folks out with that platform to spread their message because there is so much good in the world I would like to, to focus on that good, and I think we do that here today in that interview.
1: Great interview, man, and, and you hit it on the head here. He, he really is, you can you can hear Mysterio's passion for the good, for this cause, how much it means to him, and and there's some great wrestling stuff in the interview, too. Right, you right. guys will hear all of that. But yeah, again, just hearing him talk about this, and, and how much time he wants to talk about this fight for autism campaign that's really, really close to him, and kind of how he came into this. Just a great conversation all the way around, so kudos to you.
0: There we go. Hype, hype finished. You guys will get the interview here in a little bit. Uh, and on that, you know, I said we a uh, positive thing here. Uh, at the top of the show, I like to usually send out condolences and things like that. Um, not really so much a condolence this time around, um, but uh, I read this uh, post from Marty Jannetty that he put up over the weekend on social media, claiming that you know he's partying so much and he fears that if he if he doesn't have a drink for one day, he goes through withdrawals and he gets very sick. And it's it's a very sad story. And Marty has been a guest on the show here. Uh, it was actually one of my favorite interviews we've done on the show, just because. Marty was so transparent and candid in that particular interview. And after it was over, I had actually heard from some friends of Marty's that were you know, higher, higher in the, the business right now that were like, I'm very sad to hear this. I've extended an olive branch to Marty in, in hopes that he would let me pay for this kind of surgery and help that he needs right now. So I know there are people out there right now that uh, are very interested in Marty Jannetty getting his life back on track. Uh, Not going down a very sad path, which it looks like, uh, unfortunately, uh, this public cry for help uh, put him on. So I don't know if he's listening or not or if somebody that knows Marty is listening. But if you can relay the message to him that he knows who these people are, he's had these uh, invitations extended to him to try to get his life back on the right track, get surgeries taken care of, whatever he needs. I hope he accepts those offers because I really hope this last time I have to talk about uh marty on the show in in this way because it's just a very sad story and he seems to know it's a sad story and it's something that could be corrected there is a safety net there for you marty uh if you need it uh so uh there we go Ooh, that was kind of that was the downer of the the uh, the opening Mm -hmm. it's good though it's good
1: though that uh, great to hear people wanting to support marty in this you know wrestling has really changed its perspective in the last uh, 15 years as far as kind of becoming a different kind of business so Really glad that there are people out there who are willing to kind of go the extra mile for him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So on that note, let's shift gears here. Let's get to some news you can use, news that'll leave a bruise. And uh, man, I started that as just a a fun tagline, but every week now it seems like there's actual news that leaves bruises in our business (laughs) here. Uh, So we'll start off with the Super Showdown uh, fallout here, uh, everything coming out of that show. First of all, uh, as they noted on the show, 100 percent degrees in that ring wrestling here. My God. Why? Why? (laughs) You know, there was
1: like stories of them passing around some kind of saline drink for, for wrestlers to stay hydrated. This is insanity wrestling. I can't imagine being outside in a hundred degrees heat, but having to go out there and do something as physical and taxing as wrestle is just Pure insanity. So kudos to all of the talent who went out there Friday
0: and delivered in that kind of condition. Oh, my God. Yeah. Samoa Joe, you know, I saw he did this interview. I didn't put on the run sheet, but I saw him saying, you know, he was in the 50-man battle royal, and so you take your 100-degree ring as it is. Then you pile more men than have ever been piled into a wrestling ring before oh into God. a ring. He said it smelled bad. It felt bad. You just kind of go with your go-to moveset there. You don't want to try anything risky because it's just everybody's just walking water at that point. you know. So Absolutely,
1: yeah. yeah. Oof, very,
0: tough. Very rough. Well, on that note, uh, Undertaker Goldberg. We'll start with this. This match was not well-received uh matt, matt riddle took to twitter immediately posted a video bashing goldberg now goldberg to his credit here claimed he uh, knocked himself out during the match uh he also passed out in the ring or outside of the ring right after the match the undertaker did win this match you could go find the bad tombstone gif you can go find the goldberg bad uh jackhammer gif just a train wreck here uh what can be learned from this encounter
1: I just think it was a bad setup all the way around. I know that Vince McMahon really wanted to put these guys out there as kind of being the headliner to show the Saudis that this was an event that was greater than or equal to. It was a WrestleMania equivalent, right? So putting these two huge names out there, especially a guy like Goldberg, who rarely rest, wrestles, if ever, these days. I, I get why they did it, this first time ever match, but man, these two legends together, Goldberg, not always great guy, it seems like. He comes back and does this for the right reasons for his kids, but not always been considered kind of the most well-rounded wrestler in the world. And, not, uh, you know, he's had some issues with safety way back in the past. Don't think that was necessarily the case here. And The Undertaker, a guy who needs support from a younger talent who can really up their work rate and make Taker look good. I just don't think it was a great pairing. Yeah, And also, it's been like this for a while with Undertaker. He kind of came back last year looking a little bit sharper, but I really just wish they would let him kind of ride off into the sunset. This tombstone, people blame Taker, people blame Goldberg. He had the same issues when he was fighting Roman Reigns two years ago. Big guys like this are hard to get up. So um, yeah, it just it wasn't a great matchup. And whatever the conditions were, not not a great result.
0: Didn't help the hundred. But that's the thing is, you know, Ric Flair did an interview talking about this, and he's like talking about how how hard it is to get into ring shape, especially when you don't have a match every night or four nights a week, right? These guys are taking, you know, in Goldberg's case, a year off. Then you yep. got to quickly get back into ring shape here. So rushed uh, to get into ring shape, then thrown into 100-degree weather here. Goldberg didn't uh, do himself any favors. I think he may have knocked himself before he even got in the match. Uh, when he headbutted that door and came out bleeding from the back. <laughs>
1: uh, so. Dude is tough. Like, whatever we say here, you talk about Goldberg being 52 years old, but that di- guy can kick some serious ass. And <laughs> he is a tough SOB. Like, no discredit to him whatsoever.
0: No, no. I think it was the. I, I also. And it's the, t- it's the length of time, right? Like, these guys shouldn't be going out there and, and doing whatever 15 minute matches right yeah. now. You know, this, this could have very easily been put together, you know, four or five minutes. One of them gets the big win. Lots of fireworks, lots of pyro. I don't think that the Saudi government, which seems to be very closely watching these pay-per-views, would have gotten upset by a, a tighter time limit on that bout, you know? So. Yeah,
1: and, and that's all it needed to be, right? It needed to be the Brock Lesnar-Goldberg splash from a year and a half ago at WrestleMania, and I think people would have been happy, or two years ago, whenever it was. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. it is what it is, but it's, it's very unfortunate because I think it kind of marred this show had enough controversy. This definitely added an extra layer of controversy to the show, yeah. and I think it kind of mars people's perception of both of these men who are, are both legends in
0: the sport. Well, we also got the latest bait-and-switch from Brock Lesnar, who teased he was going to cash in on the show. Uh, he did come out, but Seth Rollins got a hold of a steel chair, beat down the beast, and uh, the Brock, uh, Brock Lesnar took off with his tail between his legs. Now, Paul Heyman came out on Raw last night and said, we are done calling our shots. Now you will just have to wait and see when will Brock Lesnar cash in this Money in the Bank? Uh, it's not exactly how I envisioned we got to where we are now, but I am happy that Brock will hold on to this briefcase. And there's a, an aura of mystery around it. You know, I, I'm glad they didn't hotshot it and get it off a, a month after it.
1: I, I agree with that. It makes Money in the Bank mean a little bit more by holding on to it and, and teasing that it could happen any time later in the future. I just hate the constant bait and switches yeah. we've had over the last seven days or nine days or ten days or whatever it is, because I think it just makes fans get really hyped up. And then not to see it. I know that's the money in the bank gimmick, right? Mm-hmm. But especially last Monday when the advertisement said no, it's gonna happen Friday. Uh, Just just a little bit too much there with the we're going to do it, no we're not. Also, it made Brock Lesnar look like a freaking moron. (laughs) He had Seth Rollins dead to rights a week ago. Didn't cash in because he's going to do it on Friday. And then Friday comes out and gets walloped by this steel chair that kudos to Seth Rollins. He carried it back to stateside and brought it to Monday Night Raw last night. So it just makes Brock look kind of like an idiot. And and of course, Paul Heyman with the trip there looked like an idiot as well. So it's fine. But to your point, we're going to see Brock cash in probably, I would think,
0: Around the SmackDown move to Fox, I think that I think that's I think that's money. If not that 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 first show on Fox would be where I would have Brock take the title off Kofi Kingston. Right, Kofi will have held the belt for nearly six months at that point, and uh, you know that's a strong run. And Brock Lesnar the one to to dethrone him. I also thought it was interesting. Seth Rollins came out at the top of Raw in his promo and was like, "We aren't doing business like this anymore." I almost felt like he came out to the crowd and was like, "I went into the creative room and I told Vince." If you take the belt off of me, you are spitting in the face of your hardcore fans by going back and putting this on this temporary champion, Brock Lesnar. And I won that argument. That's what we should be cheering right now. It was a little weird to me. Very meta. I always wonder with something like
1: this right now, with so much exposure to the WWE creative side after Dean Ambrose, John Moxley's comments a few a while back, if if we're not reading more into it, or if they intentionally phrase things like that to make us read more into it. It's funny you mention that because I kind of have the same reaction. Like we're going a second layer deep here, right? It's a little bit a little bit edgy for WWE.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. It's like the, the we're starting to get back into that territory where it's like younger brother thinks it's one thing, older brother's like, aha, I know the story being told here. So right, <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, ESP in on that on the note of Brock Lesnar before we move on uh Dana sat in chat with Dana White Dana White said Brock uh did not return to UFC because he got a better deal from WWE very straightforward and he also confirmed that Brock appears to be done with UFC so good thing they kept that money in the bank on him you know if you're gonna have bread does I mean Brock Brock is far from done I think with his WWE career gotta find inventive new ways to, to keep this guy fresh
1: He's only 41 years old, and the dude is a a beast of an athlete. I mean, he's got at least another five years in the tank if he wants to keep going at this rate. You know, he wrestles enough to kind of – be out there and doing it, but not enough to kill himself. And his matches, of course, we know what those are like. So I think this dude could wrestle easily till about 47, 48 and nice. not miss a beat. Nice. I don't know if he wants to wrestle that long, but not surprising here. UFC is a very different beast, though, and he's been gone from it long enough. I, I'm kind of glad to to hear Dana White say now he's he's officially done for real.
0: Yeah, and you know I was gonna bring it up here later, but you know I'll I'll, I'll mention the uh, the note here from I believe it was the Observer that says that WWE very happy with Matt Riddle despite. All the social media comments where he's been calling out Brock and really just disparaging the legacy of Bill Goldberg and his wrestling abilities. Um, So no heat, I guess. But man, has he not set the table here for a fantastic uh, anticipated bout with Brock Lesnar? I would even say within a year or two.
1: Absolutely. It's funny because, you know, that's just kind of Matt Riddle being Matt Riddle. And I'm glad WWE is letting him have that voice. But if we do see this, I don't think it's going to be this year, calendar year 2019. No. I think 2020 when he gets the call up, you're going to have all this backstory to pull into this. And that video package is going to be phenomenal.
0: Can you imagine Brock Lesnar holding Universal title and then Matt Riddle like winning the Royal Rumble and being like, I, I get what I want, bro. I want Brock, right? Oh, I just realized the first three letters in Brock are Bro. Am I a du- am I a dumb
1: person? That's amazing. Epiphany is happening right here on the Winkly. Broke. Bro. There you go. <laughs> bro. <laughs> <laughs> so, Here's what I like about this, too. Somebody like Matt Riddle, people are like, oh, he's so much smaller. But that's where the kind of technical aspect of what Matt Riddle does, his look, his style, will really build up this feud into something special because both have MMA backgrounds. Matt Riddle will be more of a legitimate competitor as a result of being able to lean into those holds and grapples and things
0: like that. Uh, Shane McMahon beat Roman Reigns. He then celebrated on Raw by drinking champagne out of the cup he won at the Greatest Royal Rumble, the Best of the World Cup, I think, or the whatever they are, the Greatest Rumble. Very bizarre. <laughs> this made me uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> I, I loved – no, 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 no. So, so the match itself, right, whatever, this was – Why does Shane McMahon get so much offense? Why did this match go 20-some minutes? I mean, I made notes. I did the post-show on Friday with Glenn, and we were talking about this match and how long it went and how strong they made. Roman Reigns had to fight his way back into this match at some point. What the hell? It's 2019. It's Shane McMahon, right? But it's it's a strange setup. They're really, you know, Shane McMahon, the most over guy on the roster when it comes to wins and losses right now. But I did like the segment on Raw where he came out and drank from the cup. That was money. I loved everything about that. Weird. Very he weird. He drank from the cup. It's like you have this giant cup. What's the douchiest thing you can do? Drink from it. Yeah.
0: The McMahon's drinking champagne from the giant novelty-sized trophy cup they made for themselves in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> it's just – I don't know. It's, it's just like a political cartoon that writes itself and played out in reality. You know? I don't know.
1: I just like how Andrew McIntyre was right beside him and dressed up in jeans and a t-shirt like he usually comes out in a kilt or his Irish att- or you know his 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 not Irish but um I don't know what you'd call it but his kind of his normal ring attire yeah. and um and yet he's standing next he, tonight he's in jeans and they're drinking from a cup Ew.
0: matching jackets I don't know if you noticed this they had nearly uh, the same leather jacket Shane's had a an extra zipper on the left side but nearly the same jacket they were twinsies. Mm, uh, mm. Randy Orton Beat Triple H. I was real happy to see this one on the show. Uh, Triple H came out in his uh, his motorcycle because, again, as big, if not bigger, than WrestleMania. And you got to go with the motorcycle if you're Triple H at Mania. Um, and uh, Randy Orton has now noted he would like to go on to challenge Aleister Black, who's been doing a public uh, you know, calling out, open challenge type deal. And he also said he'd like to go after Finn Balor, who is uh, currently holding the first title he ever won in WWE, which is the IC title. A bit of a... Uh, resurgence here for, for Randy Orton. I'm all about it. I, I haven't think that I, I don't think they've done enough with Randy here uh, in the past few months or years. Well, this is a
1: great way to capitalize. you know, catapult him back into that spotlight. I think the last I can't remember the last major, major feud we had with Randy Orton, but um, the AJ style stuff earlier this year was good stuff. I, I really dug a lot of that. It felt kind of old school and Randy Orton. He needs to be in this kind of spot, right? I know Triple H that match went too long, blah, 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 but it was a solid outing wasn't the best in the world, right? But it was it was good. And I like a pairing like Randy Orton, Aleister Black. He could do a lot for Black. That could be a great feud, different styles. Him and Finn Balor, there's so much to work off of there, especially for a championship. So yeah, I'm with you, man. This is how you use Randy Orton smartly and also keep Randy Orton engaged as he comes closer to the end of his contract at the end of 2019. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, definitely. He needed a big win like this. And so I'm happy with it.
1: And I think that, you know, if I'm not remembering correctly, we did, you know, predictions Friday on the podcast, um, and I'm pretty sure I came out a little bit ahead on the Super Showdown prediction show than you did.
0: That's fine. I don't really, <laughs> I don't make my predictions anymore based off of what I think they're gonna do. I make the, my predictions based off of what I would like, and I'm unapologetic in that regard. I'm am wrong a lot in that regard too, so that's fine.
1: So we yeah. five dollars, five dollar, ten dollar bet, right?
0: Jeez, <laughs> no, if there's money on the line, I'd have to actually sit there and think <laughs> about it, not just spout my mouth out mouth off. Uh, Lars Sullivan. Uh, did defeat the Lucha House Party, but by DQ after being triple teamed. Now, the Observer reporting uh, this match was originally uh, going to be just a dominant uh, showing by Sullivan, but they wanted to keep the feud going between these uh, four, uh, likely to set up a match here at Stomping Grounds, which I don't think this match—has this match been made official yet? I don't think it was announced on Raw.
1: No, they did the thing last night with the the match on Raw, but they didn't right. announce that one. Yeah,
0: yeah that's right. Because I, I knew they did stuff on Raw. I didn't, I didn't know if they— uh... Sure, if they had a ma- if the match had been announced, but yeah, so you know that's fine. I actually kind of like this feud. I think it's cool, you know. Uh, and maybe the Lucha House Party can, you know, that was the most that was the most fire they've ever shown was, was a Super Showdown, just like going off the chain there against Lars.
1: I mean, you know, I always wonder what kind of product does Lars Sullivan put in his beard to make it quite so pointy, but mm. yeah, mm-hmm. beside the point.
0: Mm-hmm. The tears of his enemies. Uh the Observer reporting: Alexa Bliss and Natalia ultimately were not allowed to wrestle or even appear. On Super Showdown, Uh, this was a uh, a directive given down directly from the Saudi Arabian government. Natalia did tweet afterwards, every step matters. Very big blow and bummer here. I would imagine WWE desperately trying to get some historical flags they could set in the ground here to offset all the other negative uh, press they get in regards to these events. I I can imagine they were not very happy that this was not allowed to happen.
1: Yeah, what do you reckon has a bigger impact on the world and social justice? Would that be sending two women to Saudi Arabia and um, being told what you expected, which was they can't wrestle on the show, or I don't know, pulling out your big business deal with the foreign government who um, sometimes paid for stuff in uh, uh, blood money. So, well, well,
0: well, you, you know, <laughs> good questions, good questions. And on that note, you know, some of these wrestlers, uh, two wrestlers in particular did use this platform to try to do uh, some social justice here. It would seem Finn Balor uh, wore an equality shirt, Posed right there on the ramp and shared it out on Twitter. I think he shared that while he was still in Saudi Arabia. That's risky to do that one. So uh,
1: I thought the same thing, right? But props to him for <laughs> using that. Pla- he used his platform smartly, and, and kudos.
0: <laughs> risky. Uh, we'll see if he's back for the next one. Uh, Ali uh, did what I thought was probably uh, the, the best thing of anybody on the card, and I, and I hope others did this. Maybe quietly they did. But he donated the money he was given for the show to a charity called Charity Water. Charity Water is a nonprofit organization bringing clean and safe drinking water to people in developing countries. Uh, Kudos to Ali. Again, it's like if you want to say, you know, we're doing a goodwill uh, show over in Saudi Arabia. We would like to try to push some Western influence there. We would like to push for a women's match. All the money we, we get paid from the Saudi Arabian government, we are going to be giving to charity back here in the States. Totally different, totally different narrative. That is not the narrative for these shows right now, but I am happy that uh, Ali did that. I thought that was the right thing to do in this situation.
1: And it's a reminder, too, that the talent who went over there, right? We, we know some talents pulled out and said, I'm not going to do that for for various reasons. The talents who went over there, I hold nothing against them for doing this show, right? It's part of their job, and, and guys like Ali donating this money, that's an incredible act on his behalf. You know, a guy who's not been in the business a super long time earning this kind of money, so props to him. It's the people who are the uh, the suits the penny pinchers, yep. the guys who are making these business decisions that are really affecting WWE's bottom line in a major way, like they need this money right now. Uh, I wouldn't say need, but it, it, it is a huge prop to their their stocks and all that kind of stuff that that's where you kind of start taking some issue with this whole business dealing. So, again, the talent out there doing their job, uh, kudos to you guys for, for handling business the right way. And, and those of you guys who, like Finn Balor and Ali, went above and beyond.
0: Yeah. Uh, then we flipped over to Monday Night Raw. Uh, a couple non-Super Showdown related notes coming out of that show. The Revival, now the WWE Raw Tag Team Champions, defeating Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins and the Usos in a triple threat tag team match on Raw. Uh, I kind of, I, I smelled this title change coming and what really gave it away to me was uh, Hawkins and Ryder actually got an entrance and I was like, oh. That is the uh, the end of this team here right now for the tag team. <laughs> they got
1: an interview, they got an entrance, and the promo beforehand.
0: I was like, oh, if they're putting a spotlight on them, that means uh, they are probably not going to get these uh, titles back at the end of the night." Uh, you know, good you know, good for the revival, I guess. They're getting positioned a little bit better. I do like the allegiance here with uh, with Shane McMahon. I think it you know, puts them in a capacity that's certainly more engaging than you know drifting. Aimlessly throughout the rest of the tag team division, so we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm willing to give these these guys a chance with their. Uh, I think it's their second raw tag team title run.
1: I hope it move. I hope it means we've moved beyond the comedy shticks and comedy backstage segments, and they're going to do something different with them. Yeah, but this whole thing is a microcosm of the greater WWE storytelling problem, which is Hawkins and Ryder had this big moment at Mania, right? So you've had the revival here, champions uh, lose big moment at Mania, um, Hawkins and Ryder win solely so they can say that Kurt Hawkins got his win at Wrestlemania and then they've done nothing with these guys since then and give the belts back to the revival after the revival have been buried for weeks and weeks and weeks so just a Catastrophe of storytelling here, but glad the revival are where they deserve to be, which is on top of the tag team division.
0: You know, it's interesting. Uh, yes, it's yes and no in, in several parts of what you said. Yes, I mean it does remind me exactly what happened with Zack Ryder when he won the IC title at WrestleMania. Remember that? Yes. <laughs> it's like this is the second time they've writered him. So this time, Hawkins. Oh, was, it's got it. has got a, His name's in it now. That's uh, the expression. You got Rydered. You got writered. You got a big win at Mania, then you were forgotten about, and your title was taken from you a month and a half later uh yes uh it is like they did it for for hawkins to get the big win here but i don't think that this is i don't know that this is necessarily bad i think they got a, a a shine here they could have been pushed more for sure with these belts but these guys have been uh building a base and uh doing some pretty great content with their pod or their uh wrestling figures podcasts and yep. uh their viral stuff so these two i know are having a lot of fun right now they got to share that mania moment they're going to go back to being good soldiers here for WWE, and uh, maybe they'll get rewarded with another title run. Uh, but bottom line is I, I would get the I get the vibe these two are having a lot of fun right now, maybe more fun they've had in a couple of years for, with WWE. That's true.
1: And, and the roster does need guys like this and go out there and, and do the work and entertain and not be focused on I'm going to be the main event every week.
0: Um, And then uh, Bray Wyatt released his latest Firefly Funhouse, and he, like, murdered Ramblin' Rabbit. Very disturbing. I kind of love these. Uh, I do wonder if I was a child watching them if I would be, like, quasi-traumatized by this. But, you know, whatever. I'm enjoying it.
1: I think it's telling they saved this for the last hour of Raw every week (laughs) because it's kind of like the hour where we hope the kids have gone to bed and we're going to you something a little bit more adult. He squashed the poor bunny. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. there was bunny brains out on yeah. the
0: ground yeah jelly or it's like uh some kind of jelly it looked like yeah. strawberry jam
1: he, he turned it into the jam i think was the the connotation there
0: yeah he like he like <laughs> tasted it he was like yowie wowie <laughs> you know I, I dig it but then you know the thing is they had done they've done these firefly funhouse segments in the second hour i think they may have even done one in the first hour um i i am with you keep this in the third hour if you're really trying to make that third hour difference like Wait a little bit later. You're going to get some edgier stuff. Then you got to keep this thing to the third hour. But giving it away in the second, I, I don't. I don't know that that helps you in the in the model you're working towards.
1: Absolutely, and it keeps your fans engaged, the fans who are tuning in to see that as it happens live. Like I, I wish, again, said this last week, my soapbox, do not show us the live shots from the arena of people watching it on the screen. It takes you out of the moment, and everything about these skits are the immersive nature of how it's kind of outside the world of pro wrestling. So please stop doing that, but otherwise, yeah, love the segment.
0: Let's talk a bit about my favorite thing in WWE, the 24-7 championship. Uh, Jinder Mahal won the title at the airport on the way to Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. But he lost it back to our truth while well, he was sleeping on the plane. Then Truth hidden like, a bathroom, like an airplane bathroom, protecting the belt. Uh, then at Raw, uh, Truth got trapped in an elevator with a couple superstars, including EC3. Drake Maverick was in there. Cedric Alexander. Uh, one or two more. Carmella was in there. Um, anyway, they all had, like, a moment in there. They had, like, some pretty funny bits, I thought, in this elevator. They got out big schmoz. Truth barely escapes uh, by the skin of his teeth, and I'm sure we'll see here tonight on SmackDown. Uh, Mike, that... This was my favorite part of Raw, and I feel bad about that because it's like I want to be like, "Oh, you're putting too much creative into this." I feel like you're not even trying with other parts of your show. But if this is this is what it is, and this is where they're going to get inventive and they're going to have fun and and be creative, you know, who am I to who am I to complain? I, I don't really think that this was uh, I, this was far from the worst part of Raw last night.
1: It's working, right? It, yeah. It's one of those things we all saw the title when it came out a few a few weeks ago, and we're like, "Oh no, here we go!" and and all of a sudden on Twitter. Every week people are like, oh that that was good. That was good stuff, right? That was some good shit. So, I I dig what they're doing here. Uh, I think you're right. It's it's odd how much creative time they're putting into this. I'm enjoying <laughs> it. The stuff over you. the weekend was amazing. Yeah. And but our Truth flies to Saudi Arabia, doesn't even wrestle a match, loses and wins back the title. It's just it's the right kind of fun. I can nitpick, right? We can we can oh, pick nits here and we can say so and so is being used wrong, but I, I enjoy what I'm seeing on TV with these segments.
0: What I wonder though is what would the product be like if the other divisions were given the freedom to be as creative as this 24/7 championship division. I, I, you know, I'm not saying that you need these like surprise cashins and stuff like that all the time with every title, but. An, an era of some creativity with the, the characters that are involved here, uh, catching each other off guard, doing things that aren't just like the generic two people in the frame with a talking head and a microphone flag. You know, there, there's there's so much texture to what they're doing with this division right now, so much unpredictability. I got to think there's a way to carry some of that creativity, creativity over into other divisions, feuds and storylines in the product.
1: Well, I find it interesting that the things that we're latching on to, right, the 24-7 title, which is mostly taking place outside of the main arena, um, the the Firefly Funhouse segments, those kinds of things that we're talking about every week are not typical wrestling things. And the things we're kind of complaining or having issues with are the typical pro wrestling storylines that are very lackluster. And then you think about the fact that this... This company has how many producers, how many writers who are from outside, as that video from a couple of months ago showed, are from outside the normal scope of the pro wrestling industry. And so you put two and two together and you're like, this company might be onto something with storytelling outside the typical pro wrestling arena. And maybe that's okay. Maybe that's not a bad thing. Uh, it's just uh, it's a fascinating way to look at the product this company is putting out right now.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> very, very interesting times for the WWE uh, and uh, good news here for uh, fans of Big E. He'll be back tonight on Smackdown Live. He's going to team up with the New Day, him, Xavier, Kofi together, taking on Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Adolph Ziggler in a six man tag. This guy, Big E, has been the king of Twitter for the entire time he's been out. I expect a hero's welcome for this man tonight on Smackdown. I know. But he, what was it he said over the weekend that he was basically – he they couldn't fire him? Yeah, he said they couldn't fire him. if they, <laughs> He compared himself to George Costanza dragging the like World Series trophy through the parking lot, and he was like, they can't fire me. No way. I couldn't even try. If, if I tried, I couldn't get fired right now. This is – I am so hyped for him to come back here and just
1: see the reaction he's going to get. Of course, being back with the New Day, alongside Kofi Kingston especially, <laughs> is going to be great. And I hope this does at some point lead us to seeing more from Big E. I know people love the New Day, but I could just imagine a Kofi Kingston, Big E feud to follow up this title run. Ooh. That would be amazing.
0: Can you imagine if he turns tonight and lays out lays out Xavier and Kofi unexpectedly? Oh, man, that'd be fantastic. I, mean,
1: I would love to see them. Now, this is me fantasy booking. Big E, Kofi blames Big E for not protecting him against Brock whenever Brock cashes in, right? <laughs> There's your Kofi says, come on, Big E, you're there to protect me. What happened? And you set up a feud that way, and you could then tie that into Biggie and Brock feuding on down the road.
0: You know, it just hit me. Who is Kofi Kingston feuding with right now? Dolph Ziggler. Big E has, was friends with Dolph Ziggler way before he was in the New Day.
1: Mm, mm, mm. Right?
0: Right? Now, that takes us to stomping grounds here, which is in two weeks on June 23rd, where Dolph Ziggler is going to take on Kofi. It's going to be in a steel cage match, so we're going to try to keep these players out of it. The Owens, the Zanes, the the New Day members here. Um, I don't know. Eh, Maybe I'm overthinking it again because it's like I'm not trying to think of it through the guise of WWE. But there's definitely some history here you could play off of if you wanted to realign Ziggler and Big E uh, versus Kofi and Xavier.
1: That'd be interesting. I'd like to see it. I don't think WWE invests enough in its long term storytelling for that to ever happen.
0: Yeah, but that's the thing is like Kofi could finish off Ziggler here and Ziggler could go back to doing stand up shows and whatever, making T V show appearances. And then you have the feud with Biggie and Kofi teed up going into SummerSlam. And I don't hate that. I don't yeah. hate that. You know,
1: I and I, I do like, you know, I, I have really enjoyed the Kofi Kingston, Dolph Ziggler feud and, and kind of the personal nature of it. But I do think after stomping rounds, which, by the way, is probably the second worst name pay-per-view of all time behind Great Balls of Fire. Oh,
0: I, OK. OK. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> well,
1: I do think that the Dolph Ziggler, Kofi Kingston feud in a steel cage does need to kind of put a bow on this feud and let us move on to something else.
0: I will never forget Capital Punishment. That is my that is my all-time worst pay-per-view name. I don't know Great Balls of Fire is pretty bad, but it's funny. Capital Punishment, I'm just like, ooh gross
1: <laughs> at least it means something what is great balls of fire like capital punishment is like you could say you're in for some capital punishment this week like what does stomping grounds mean well there's my old stomping grounds
0: they're trying to get that lugs agreement going again you know it's like the big lugs boot is the logo sketchers right right, right. <laughs> uh so yeah doll first kofi in the steel cage match in the other match we're gonna get uh, a rematch from super showdown barrett corbin Going to take on Seth Rollins for the universal title. Special guest referee. We got to see Sami Zayn in the special guest referee role last night on Raw. And honestly, when Zayn put on the referee stuff, I was like, that man looks like a referee. You know, like that man That man looks like a legitimate referee that I could see working WWE live events here in the near future. <laughs> you
1: finally found your calling. Everybody else keeps missing pinfalls and missing interrupt DQs, whatever else. You got this one. You know what to look for. It's
0: because he's kind of balding, you know, on top. No, not no, kind of oh, like. Wow. You know, wow. he's got the look of a referee is all I'm saying.
1: You just called him out for balding and then said that means he's not really he shouldn't be a wrestler anymore. No, he be a no,
0: now you're putting words in my mouth. I think when he's dressed like uh, you know, the ska kid, looks like a wrestler, puts on the ref gear, looks like a referee. That's all I'm saying. He could go both ways. It's not a just, bad thing.
1: Baron Corbin comes out every week dressed up as a what is essentially a hostess at a restaurant, and you're cool with that there, right?
0: You know what, Baron Corbin, I was watching the show last night and I said to myself, if Vicky Guerrero was a six foot seven bald man, it would be Baron Corbin. They have nearly identical uh, uh, patterns and and ways of getting heat, in my opinion.
1: I've got to give it to Baron Corbin. Baron, I was thinking about this last night, watching his interactions with the audience, watching the way he's dressed. And I've I, you've heard me in this podcast before. I have been critical of Baron Corbin. And I thought to myself... He fits the mold of exactly what WWE would want here yeah. in 2019 from a heel. And he's great at it. Yeah. He goes out there. He draws the heat. He knows what to say. Delivers his lines perfectly. And, um, you know, I don't I, – I think that – in other circumstances, he might not be as good, but he is delivering and he's firing on all cylinders for that role he's in right now. So, props.
0: I think the pendulum will swing back in Baron Corbin's favor here in the in the eyes of the fans in the not too distant future. I, I'm with you. I think he's just, I think he's been doing too good of, of a job getting the getting the fans to hate him. So, uh, yeah. t- time will tell. Uh, we got an update here about Sasha Banks. PWInsider.com reporting Sasha was in Orlando filming for WWE 2K20 kind of giving people the vibe, right, that she may not be fleeing uh, the prison, so to speak. Um, But uh, at the same time, I keep going back to, like, 2K and WWE. They they don't really – they're not run the same. Like, 2K does its own thing. You know Yeah, They've had
1: plenty of guys from outside the company come in and do this work before, too, so whatever.
0: So we'll see. Just an update. Uh, The Observer also reporting uh, that WWE now signing NXT talent to five-year deals to prevent them from becoming free agents – Uh, for a longer period of time. Not surprising, but, uh, man, that is... You're going to have a glut of talent here over the next couple years, and I wonder if they start to be more stingy or if they just, you know, have a a warehouse of wrestlers that they have signed that they just don't use, like Shinsuke.
1: I I find it fascinating that they're doing... The five-year contract really only works out in the favor of WWE because they can essentially let you go whenever they want to and end your contract... But they control you in the meantime, and they could say, "Yeah, we don't want to use you this week, but you're still under contract, you can't do other work with us." So I don't like it. I, I understand why they're doing it to protect their business, but I, I, if I were an NXT talent and I see AEW over there, if I had some connections and I was having some some heat behind me, or even just the way you can get by on the Indies these days, I might rethink that depending on what my career options were now. This you know reminds me of what the comments you heard, of course, over the weekend about John Moxley and and what he said about Triple H kind of buying up the Indies and right. all that. This is this feels a lot more like somebody trying to buy up the Indies. Now I, I take those comments with a grain of salt because if you go back and you look at when NXT kind of got hot and the way the Indies kind of rose alongside NXT, I don't think. The intent—you can say that and say, "Well, it felt like Triple H trying to buy off the Indies," but the fact that the Indies are thriving now, I think, kind of undercuts that argument. But moves like this, five-year deals locking up talent from the Indies, feels a lot more like I'm trying to lock up the Indies.
0: Yeah, and again, it's like, uh, you know, how 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 seriously do talent make WWE a goal right now? You know, if I'm if I'm an independent guy right now and I'm seeing AEW coming up, how happy everybody is over there? Hell, Joey Ryan. Chose the independence. He's like, I'm gonna live this uh, vagabond lifestyle here, you know, town to town. Uh, you know, you, you hear all the the doom and gloom backstage unhappiness stories at WWE, and you think, man, if I if I'm gonna make that gamble there, I'm gonna lose a half decade of my career to that gamble. I wonder if it if it doesn't prevent more guys from leaping elsewhere and considering different paths.
1: Does the equation change, however, Nick, if you were to be guaranteed only an NXT contract? We'll sign you to NXT, and you can stay there for as long as you want. Does the fact that you could get called up to the main roster impact that decision-making at all?
0: That's that's an interesting question. You know, It's like, yeah, you can just live in Orlando. You can hang out with X-Pac and his dog Lula, who, by the (laughs) way, I believe is back at the Performance Center right now training this week. Congratulations, Sean. Happy for you um but uh yeah you know that that maybe would maybe that is appealing to some guys to just stick to an nxt deal it does sound like their travel and their hotels and things are covered under that deal
1: a um, lot more stability as far as I mean AEW brand new they're giving out contracts but we don't know the longevity there yet nxt very stable backing of the entire company i think that the thing about nxt people are worried about getting called up to the main roster which makes that deal seem a lot more dicey when you see how people
0: like ec3 have been used they're like i want to work for hunter I'm terrified of Vince. I don't want to, do, to deal with this maniac. Uh, let's talk about a couple guys who have just left uh, WWE. Of course, you brought up John Moxley. John Moxley and Kinta, the former Hideo Itami, are both now a part of G, the G1 Climax Tournament, uh, New Japan's uh, yearly tradition. A uh, lot of matches in the G1 Climax. It goes on for what, like eight weeks or something like that? I mean, it's,
1: Yeah, it's a couple of months.
0: It's massive. So these guys are about to work their bodies to the bone um, uh, happy for both of them. I cannot wait to see some of the matches that Moxley gets to present here. And, I, and the same for Kenta here. You know, this is a guy I know people online. They say, oh, he, he got the injury bug or whatever. But I think he was cleared to wrestle for several months towards the end of his his WWE tenure there before he got released. So I, he's pent up. He wants to wrestle. Um, I, I'm excited to see both these guys in the, in the G1.
1: Handcuffs are off, and there's nothing like—I'm going to sound like an announcer saying this or a promo guy here, right? But there really is nothing like the G1 Climax. It's so cool how they tie in all these wrestlers, give, give all these amazing matchups throughout the course of this tournament. And it really pays off in some big ways with the winner, of course, getting the title shot here. So I love it. Uh, professional wrestling is lucky to have it. I know, of course, back in the day when, when Impact did their, uh, what was it, the the series they did?
0: The Bound the, for Glory tournament or whatever. Yeah,
1: yeah, the Bound for Glory series tried to invoke some of this, but really the G1 Climax has this on lockdown, so excited for these two talents to be in here to kind of mix things up.
0: Yeah, and again, it's like, you know, when AEW launched, people were like, oh, you know, how's this going to affect everything? New Japan has just gotten stronger, <laughs> like I feel like in the wake of this. They're making good moves. They, de- I, could, I could sense it. Uh, when I watched Wrestle Kingdom last year and uh, – or earlier this year, the top of the year, and I was like, wow, they are really double-downing on LIJ Bullet Club, right? They are they are really getting behind these two brands again, going back to what they know. They had a couple guys out there like Okada. Uh, you had Suzuki Gun. They were that they were not really part of those factions that were strong entities. I was like, this has got – this is a stew with a lot of good ingredients here right now. And you drop Moxley in. You drop Kinta in. I mean, New Japan right now – going into whatever's going to be this hot October between WWE and AEW, they're they're positioned pretty damn well right now. And they're they're what
1: they're doing over there is still unique enough that fans can in, be invested in what AEW is doing, and also tune over to New Japan for something, seeing some of the same talent, but also feeling a little bit different. So uh, I'm really happy to see them using guys like this, and I think it's really going to help their westward expansion as New Japan continues to try to grow in this market here in North America.
0: Yeah. They, also, they're they're bringing the Super J Cup here back to the states three three days in the states. They'll also be in Dallas later this month. So, but why do
1: they? That's my only concern, though. Why do they keep picking sites like that? There are a lot of other sites I feel like they should go to that would be wrestling hotbeds like when they were up in New York that I think would draw bigger crowds. Maybe that's just me, but
0: I think they're trying to work that West Coast market pretty hard. They're like, you know, it's a hop over the pond, literally, right? Like, geographically, it's, it's tighter. Um, I, I don't know. They've been working that West Coast. That seems to be the market they've been trying to hammer the hardest. They're going to Dallas here. Obviously, they did a
1: show in Charlotte a few months ago, and, and, yeah. and Charlotte's great classic wrestling, but not where I would go if I'm trying to capture a hot wrestling
0: market. You know, uh, good question here. I'll see if I can't get somebody's from New Japan's management team. <laughs> get on get, that, Nick. Try to get an executive here. Whatever. <laughs> I got Ray Ray Mysterio in just a few minutes, folks. Uh, AEW news: AEW has signed Raphael Morphi. Uh, Pw Insider is calling this a big time hire for them. Morphy Previously worked as WWE Senior Director of Live Event Marketing. He handled the live event department. He worked with the New York Mets before WWE and the New York Cosmos after WWE. He's also worked for Impact, MLW, House of Hardcore, with Hall of Famer Jim Ross and others through his signature move productions company. Uh, Big congratulations, Raphael. Raphael hires me to host the Jim Ross, Jerry Lawler events, or just Jim Ross events when they're here in Chicago. I I did a couple in New York as well. I've personally worked with him. I, I can vouch this guy is great. Uh, congratulations to Raphael. Um, he'll do a great job. Wonderful. What it sounds job.
1: like you're saying is, of course, you were paid to say those nice things. About I was.
0: Him. You know, here's the great thing about Raphael. He's the kind of guy. So, like, I was in New York doing the, the Jim Ross Lawler event, right? Great event. After the show's over, I'm hanging out, and Jim's like signing, and I was like, hey, Raphael, Jim's got all this, like, Barbecue stuff over here. Can I can I grab something to take home? He's like, take whatever you want, Nick. And <laughs> that's like getting the key to the the office supply cabinet right there. Only right. now,
1: <laughs> instead of flash drives, you have
0: barbecue sauce. Barbecue <laughs> this, sauce. Main event. This buster. is a great
1: hire. I love this because it shows how seriously AEW is taking their product and their business. You know, you hear you hear rumors of it. You hear like, oh, they're going to try to go out there and. and fight against WWE maybe, and you've seen them grow. And a hire like this says, yes, even in the live event live event department, even with that kind of marketing, we're going to go after somebody big who can help us get the product out there the right way. So big props.
0: It's been incredible watching Raphael over the past couple months because I went to Impact Homecoming in Nashville. He was there handling it. I went to MLW here in Chicago. He's there handling it. I'm like, you work for everybody. And then as I sit here and I I recap this, it's like, yeah, he was literally working for everybody. He's very well-liked. Wonderful guy to have boots on the ground with. So great hire here for Rafael. Uh, AEW also announced uh, the latest match for Fighter Fest Hangman Adam Page versus MJF versus Jungle Boy versus Jimmy Havoc. Um, I would think this is going to be a match that Page will win to give him some fire going into the Jericho bout. But, you know, I think there's something here with him and MJF. And I wouldn't be surprised to see MJF uh, with some shenanigans pick up the victory here. Maybe with a pin over Jungle Boy or Havoc.
1: I like that scenario, but I even like even better as they say they're going to take wins and losses seriously. Page winning and MJF being so pissed off that he cost Page the title, come all out.
0: I will tease next week on the Winkly, Yeah, you, know, you will be graced with an interview from MJF. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can you can hear directly from the mouth of the beast uh, his thoughts on Adam Page. I'd release it this week, but we want to save it for next week because. Next week's Fighter Fest. But I already have it in the can. It's great. It's very good. Did, did
1: he unplug your microphone like he did over at Fightfall?
0: No, but he did also not ever get my name right. He called me Ned. He called me a lot of things during this one. That's awesome. So, no, that's fantastic. Uh, I think we'll actually play it next Tuesday on the show. I think that'll be when you're back on. I'll save it for then. Uh, <laughs> and Kenny Omega has revealed that Fighter Fest will be streamed live for free via the BR Live app. Very cool, especially in the wake of all the fans that shelled out 50 bucks for double or nothing. I like that they've got their kind of smaller, quote-unquote B shows, I would guess, uh, around their tentpole events and they're just going to give them away and create create a bigger fan base rolling into rolling into October. Good good it's, thinking. Good job.
1: It's a great way to in the absence of live TV, use this to kind of keep promoting your product people who Heard the rumors now. They'll tune in for this. Also, that BR Live app, right? I still have it on my phone. I installed it for AEW. So you're getting some use out of that and saying, hey, guys, this is where we're going to be. So it promotes that app as well. So great call.
0: You know, you just brought up the absence of live TV, which I really don't think could have been a better pivot into this next story. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) You said it, and I was like, he knows he just said that, right? Like, was he trying – (laughs) to <laughs> set me up for this next one. Oh God, you just feel bad. I just like it's. i like sad puppy dog over there. And right? I like him. What... I like Impact. The product is good. The people there are great to me. I like many of the wrestlers. I like. I just like the. I like Impact overall. Great people. But this is a very unfortunate story. So PWInsider.com re- reporting that Pursuit. Well, you could have known this if you tuned did. Pursuit aired a repeat episode of Impact this week, not the new first run episode. Now they're reporting that there's hope and excitement about landing a new network soon obviously, in the wake of a story <laughs> like that. <laughs> and um,
1: prayers and, you know, man.
0: But mm-hmm. the episode did still uh, run in its correct time slot on Twitch, which they control and, and uploaded there. So if you wanted to watch the new episode of Impact, you can go over other Twitch channel. But this is – you don't want that story in your life. Can you
1: imagine tuning in? <laughs> you're like, wait, this is the – I mean, if it's WWE, you'd be used to this by now, just repeats of last week, right? But for, for Impact Wrestling, you're like, didn't I just see – What's going on right
0: here? Yeah, this is a weird one for me. Uh, a very unfortunate story. Yeah, I hope these guys can can find someplace else to go because uh, the product is good. I, I'm largely very happy. I mean, their paper, the Rebellion is one of my favorite pay-per-views I'd watched in a while. So a lot of good stuff there, but, man, you don't want to read those stories. Uh, TJ Perkins has returned to Impact Wrestling. Good to see him, TJP, back in the mix. Formerly Suicide. I know he's uh, always felt at home there, so I'm sure he'll be great. Um, uh, they also announced a, f- a fatal four-way Monsters Ball match. Uh, for the Knockouts Championship at Slammiversary 17. This will be the first Knockouts Monsters Ball match. Taya Valkyrie will defend against Rosemary, Sue Young, and Havoc. I uh, I think this one's going to tear the house down. I think these women are going to go out there and absolutely burn it down. Very excited about this.
1: It'll impact wrestling right now. That this match, especially, I think it highlights how they're low key doing some of the best stuff in wrestling that nobody's talking about. And even you, you compare what they're doing to Ring of Honor's women division, women's division, and, and other things like that. This is going to be a great match and a great highlight for all of these women. So um, yeah. yeah, just something to look forward to.
0: Yeah, Impact doing good work right now pursue get it together Just
1: get, or get <laughs> out doing good work that you can't watch unfortunately unless you're on youtube or twitch i mean
0: excuse me in, abs- in the absence of live tv right jesus uh all right last story here in the top of our news block i'm so excited to get to read this out loud gina davis has joined glow season three she'll be playing sandy Devereaux st Clair. great name the former showgirl turned director at the fan tan Hotel and Casino, she will appear in five of the season's ten episodes, and while there hasn't been much revealed about her character as of yet, she's the most qualified to show the GLOW crew just what it means to be a woman trying to make a living in the Vegas circus, or circuit. Uh, Amazing. Uh, Gina Davis is great, and I cannot wait to see her as part of GLOW.
1: The show is fantastic. I've only watched season one so far, so no spoilers there, Nikki. But um, this is a fantastic show. Uh, love it. And I love big hires. Gina Davis is a great talent. So this yeah. will be
0: great. You, you got to go watch all of it. It's great. All of Glow is good. But I was sitting there and I told Liz this, my girlfriend. She got very excited. She already likes Glow, loves Gina Davis. Big win for women here all, all over, I'm sure. But it's like Gina Davis did A League of Their Own, which I think is probably the movie she's most famous for, right? She's great in that movie. Um, and that was all about a women's baseball team in, like, the 40s. And now she's doing, like, a women's pro wrestling entity in mm. the 70s. I just think there's a little fun parallel there. What I'm getting at is Book Kit, her younger sister, from A League of Their Own. And they can finish this in a ring now, right? We just do a <laughs> crossover, A League of Their Own, into GLOW, season three. I
1: just like how you're spinning this off into A League of Their Own, the universe. Like, their own Marvel universe here of sports shows. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> My guest at this time is a three-time WWE champion, three-time WWE cruiserweight champion, five-time WCW cruiserweight champion. He is also the global ambassador for Fight for Autism, a new digital fundraiser that is being launched this Sunday on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It is Ray Mysterio. Ray, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me
2: today. No, no. Thank you, man, for having us on here and uh, for letting us speak a little bit about the campaign and about what's going on in my career.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's talk, let's talk about the the campaign here to kick it off. I think this is great what you're doing. You know, uh, what led to you uh, getting involved with fight for autism and launching this campaign?
2: You know that there's a, um, a group, uh, which is my team uh, from the UK that, uh, brought this opportunity to my attention and, uh, you know, going to my previous, uh, years of, of being in this business, um i can relate to a lot of kids that have had or that still have autism that are huge but i mean huge wrestling fans and how do i know this because at many of my appearances that i've done throughout my years uh, parents have walked up on the line that I where i'm signing and have either brought their kids with them and have mentioned to me that that their son or their daughter has autism but when wrestling comes on, that there's a connection there. And especially when they see Rey Mysterio. So I don't know if it's the mask. I don't know if it's uh, my style. But uh, there's definitely a, a very close connection between kids with with autism that uh, feel like they're free, like they are themselves when they are around the wrestling. So that's how this all uh, campaign came together. And of course, now we're trying to Trying to make a, a change, uh, you know, not just in Europe or in Mexico or in the U.S., but around the world.
0: Now, you uh, you mentioned in the press release that you've been deeply moved by children with autism and their families throughout their career. Have there been any particular moments or memories that really stand out to you as something that that grabbed you and you'll never forget?
2: Um, not in particular one or another, but uh, like I like I mentioned, there has been a lot of kids that that uh feel comfortable around the world of wrestling and and that that just uh, you know that, that amazes me because uh how individually they want to be in their own little world to to be inside this this arena uh you know with more than 20,000 fans uh watching uh, let's say Rey Mysterio against the undertaker, yeah. you know, and they can, they can chant, they can scream, they can feel like, like they're in their own world. That, that right there is very catching, yeah. uh, personally for me. Yeah. Uh, but another thing is, is, uh, you know, this, this help that we're, that we're lending out, you know, this is only the beginning. So there's, uh, not only helping the kids that are autistic, But also trying to understand the families that live with the daily struggle, you know, with their kids or with the other siblings that are not autistic, but uh, the autistic uh, child, um, you know, tends to to drift away or be in his own in his own space. So we're trying to understand the whole uh, meaning and concept behind uh, autism and see if we can make it better.
0: Yeah, what are some of the things you've learned about autism and maybe some of the common misconceptions people have about it?
2: Well, I, you know, that's... that's uh, in, in, in an autistic child, every case can be different. Um, you know, some, some kids uh, that are autistic might not even uh, would like to be around wrestling because of the noise, because of the atmosphere. Yeah. Others can uh, tolerate it and, and feel like they're in their own world yeah, but uh, as we move forward, you know,'m I'm, I'm also learning uh, new obstacles and, and uh, new procedures to help out autistic children. So this is this is something that I'm I'm new at, and I'm willing to learn more as we move along. Um, David, are you there? I'm here. Is there anything that you uh, that you think is is out there that that uh, that you can distinguish from certain autistic children?
3: I think I think one of the things we've uh, we've learned together in, in this campaign is that, like you said, Ray, every case is is particular and and is individual. And I think the most important element is to know. Um, that we're talking about a wide spectrum. Uh, so there's there's kids who could be highly functional, quote-unquote, in what we call kind of the standard way of, of uh, operating in society, whereas others might be a little bit more recluse and a little bit more in their own world, as you as we were mentioning, Ray. Right. And the fact wow. that it, it's such a wide spectrum means that each case has to be approached uh, individually and specifically, rather than these kind of broad strokes you know, and, and autism is just this one single big thing. Uh, it's very individual and, and it's very particular. And I think that's one of the key learnings uh, as we've launched uh, this campaign. And,
0: and Ray, can you introduce everybody out there who's listening to David? Uh, we just brought him on out of nowhere. Can you tell us a little bit about who this is and yeah, how you met him? Sure.
2: David David is part of my, of my team. And we've been working on some projects outside of the uh, autism campaign. But, uh, you know, as as I move forward in my career and uh, eventually um, I'm going to end up pushing wrestling aside and focus on, on a whole different Avenue. You know, David has been part of my team for the last four to five years.
0: Now, that's amazing. And David, what's it been like getting to work with, uh, with Ray on these kinds of projects and helping to educate people about subjects
3: like autism awareness? I think, I think it's absolutely fantastic. You know, as a, as a Mexican kid, I obviously grew up with wrestling, um, and, and, and Ray has always been uh, an idol of of mine and, and everybody we work with. Uh, so just working with Ray is absolutely fantastic. But knowing that there's a genuine care and a genuine, genuine interest to help out, uh, to help out particularly kids with whom he connects, uh, I think it's amazing. A lot of people say don't meet your heroes because you might be disappointed. Uh, it's not the case at all with Ray. Uh, the care is genuine, the interest is genuine, and it's fantastic to be able to to make an
2: impact alongside him.
0: That's amazing. No, and, I, and
2: I should tell you, Nick. Yeah. I, I I swear that I did not pay him to say that. All right, <laughs> that came from his heart. So,
0: <laughs> you know. But that's the thing, Ray. We'll get to it here in a little bit. But I mean, you're a living legend, buddy. You know, I I got to talk Thank to your. You, I got you. I got to talk to your friend Conan. Um, I think I've talked to Conan twice in the last three weeks. Once for MLW and once for Impact. Uh-huh. Believe it or not. And you know the way he, des- he the way he describes you in in Mexico. I mean, it's it's like Elvis plus. You know, you're just on another level. And I don't know that I, I don't. I mean, I'll guess I'll ask you. You know, how does it feel to carry that weight around of knowing you're looked at in that capacity these days?
2: Uh, I think that's that's the good thing about me that I I don't uh, walk around knowing that I carry that weight. I try to stay humble and I try to keep my feet flat on the ground. And I think that has really helped me out throughout my 30 years of of career and a a successful career. You know, I've I've always been um, very open-minded when it comes down to fans. You know, uh, I don't push them away. I take the time. I I listen. I take pictures. I sign. And, you know, that was something that that, uh, I knew came along with the risk of being uh, famous. Because I, I grew up watching my uncle put his mask on when we'd, we would park at the arenas and he'd walk out of the car. And I was just a seven, eight-year-old kid, you know, walking out of the car with my uncle and seeing a storm of kids uh, asking for his autograph, a picture, you know. And I remember thinking, man, I want to do that one day. So this is, this is something that I knew came along with my dream of being uh, who I am now.
0: That's, uh, that's incredible, man. And, and, you know, you talk about the fans. The fans, if they want to participate and fight for autism, the campaign is, is going on right now. It goes on through June. They can donate $4 to get involved. And it's not just a $4 donation. Uh, the fans, they actually have a chance to win a, a couple cool prizes as well. I don't know if you or David want to talk about uh, the Buyaka Bundle Prize and the other things that fans can possibly win for their $4 donation.
2: Sure, I'll I'll let uh well, I'll go ahead and explain uh some of the items that they can win, and then I'll let David explain the Buika bundle. Okay. But um, uh yeah, you do have uh you make a donation of four of four dollars, and you have the opportunity to win T-shirts, you know, hoodies, uh, masks, pictures, and uh, some really cool custom titles that were made that were uh, specifically designed by myself, you know, and of course uh, the Buika bundle, which anybody who who donates automatically enters to win this Buoyaka bundle that David's about to explain. Oh.
0: Lay it on
3: me, David.
2: Absolutely. So the Buoyaka bundle is,
3: is kind of a dream come true. Uh, so it's basically an all-expenses-paid trip for two people uh, to a major live wrestling event uh, as race personal guest. So from anywhere in the world, you have airfare included, uh, you have obviously uh, hotel included, Plus a thousand dollars in spending money, uh, you get to meet Ray, hang out with Ray, and attend the live fight. Uh, so, like I said, an absolute dream come true for any fan. All of this is included, and like Ray said, everybody who donates is automatically entered to win. That's awesome!
0: So much, so much, so much win here, guys. You get to help Ray raise awareness for autism, and you can also walk away with some cool stuff. Um, well, if I could shift gears here a little bit, Ray. You know, I, I do Great. have, I have a lot of, I have a couple questions here about your current career in the world of pro wrestling. If I could sprinkle a couple of those in, um, you know, of course. how are you physically doing? The last time I saw you on TV, you were relinquishing the U S title to Samoa Joe and he was beating you down.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, uh, unfortunate things happen in the ring. And, uh, that's exactly what happened at money in the bank pay-per-view. Yeah. Um, for some reason, uh, and of course, when you're in there, uh, full action and full adrenaline, you have no idea uh, the referees count, or or if he even if he's even aware sometimes that uh, uh, the opponent is grabbing the rope while he's doing the pin. But most refs are nine out of ten times they're right on on point and on spot. Uh, this wasn't the occasion, you know. And and after I saw the replay. I did see that, that uh, the more Joe's left shoulder was up off from the campus as uh, the ref was given the three count. And due to the unfortunate aftermath um, after winning that title, uh, I suffered a separated shoulder, uh, left, left shoulder, I should say. And that has put me back right now on, on, on the bench so the only thing I've been doing right now to, to recuperate is I've been doing some PRP for the last two weeks and slight rotation movements on my left shoulder, trying to see if I can be back uh, possibly late June or uh, sometime next month, July.
0: Oh, well, that's not too long. Well, that's good news for everybody. Then. No. Yeah, that's, that's great news. Now, what, now yeah. what led the decision to have you drop the title to Joe then? as opposed to writing out this or even having Joe like face somebody for the title on raw?
2: Well, you know, the, the thing is, um, I couldn't defend the title. So there was no point on me keeping the title. And another thing, you know, once I saw the three count and I saw his shoulder was up, like anybody else would say, that's not my call. It's the ref's call. Yeah. And, and, you know, figure it out with the ref, but, I like to work on the on the right side of things. So, um I clearly did not win that title the way I would have loved to have won it. I got you. So, what what was the best thing to do? Return it, get better, heal up, and then ask for another title shot.
0: Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Now, now your match with Joe uh really didn't last too long at WrestleMania. How did you feel about not getting as much time as as maybe you guys deserved at WrestleMania this year?
2: Man, those shows are, are kind of crazy. You know, you uh, you have, and it seems like every year uh, the shows keep getting longer and longer, but, you know, that's the risk you take sometimes when uh, the show might be too carried or there's a certain amount of time for uh, that whole pay-per-view to to go on. So, you know, it was a, an unfortunate matter, but, you know, it's it's not the end of the world for me. Yeah, I think I've, I've uh, given plenty of great matches throughout my career, well, I don't think the fans have missed anything yet.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, would you would you like to see WrestleMania cut down, or would you like to maybe see two nights of WrestleMania? Like, what do you think would be something that could uh, could appease everybody here?
2: Uh, well, yeah, that's a hard question. It's, it's something that you would really have to put some thought into it. But it's, it's not even a bad idea to possibly uh, do a, a pre-WrestleMania show, like even on that same day, start a little bit early. Yeah. And give the first, maybe the first five to six matches, you know, um, to kick off Mania, have a good break in between, uh, sell some merchandise, <laughs> and then uh, move on to the big show.
0: Oh, thinking like a worker, of course. Uh, now, <laughs> now, I wanted to ask you about somebody else you've been feuding with, or briefly feuded with, I thought you'd get more time with, and that was Andrade. Talk to me about this guy, how, how you enjoy working with him, and, you know, what they're doing with him in WWE right now.
2: Man, I, I've uh, that was the first guy I, I had the opportunity to face, uh, or to, to do a um, what what believed to be a good storyline. This this kid is is awesome, man. I uh, I've mentioned it before in in previous interviews that I, I every time I was in the ring with him, it it felt like I was there's a certain uh, affiliation with how. I would move in there with Eddie. Yeah. Uh that's this is this is how good he is. This is how on point he is, and how he's he's also he's thinking a step before you even move forward. So he already knows the positioning, he knows uh exactly what to do and how to do it. So uh my hat's a uh, go off for Andrade, man. He he's definitely a future of the WWE.
0: That's huge praise to, to compare him to Eddie like you did, especially coming from you. I mean, what do you think a guy like Andrade needs to do to, to up his game to, to get that kind of success
2: right now? Just like anybody else, you know, uh, once you can dominate the the mic skills and you can dominate that English, uh, you know, you're bound to become a star. Yeah. So I really, I, I've seen him work on his English, uh, in the past. And, and he's, he's moving, he's moving forward. You know, it's, it's a slow process because I know English can be very hard for some, uh, for others, it can be a piece of cake. But uh, once he, he dominates um, his English lyrics, I think he, he's, he's on his way to start it.
0: You know, AJ Styles is another guy I want to ask you about. He said that a, dr- a match with you would be his dream match. What do you think of uh, the wow. work AJ's doing in, in a in a statement like that from, from AJ?
2: That, that That's a big, that's a very big statement coming from AJ. You know, although we would probably have been wrestling uh, maybe around the, the same amount of time, you know, uh, AJ was never part of the WWE until recently. Yeah. So, uh, you know he was doing his thing um, in uh, in impact where he was at, you know, and I was doing my thing in WWE. Then after I left independently, and then I came back, and now he's there. So I, I, uh, I would really love to to throw down with AJ, and not just in a regular stage. I think in a big in a big stage, a WrestleMania stage, and and put it on the line. You know, I think that's that's one of the matches that uh, can go down for the history books.
0: Uh, last last uh, wrestler i'll just ask you about before we get into a couple of the topics was you had some all-time classics with Brock Lesnar uh he is a beast he's very violent um would you welcome another clash with uh, Brock <laughs> uh
2: why not you know I ended up with Brock um, early in his career yeah you know and and i mean I, i've every now and then i'll go back and and people post on social media some of the that, uh, some of the matches that we had and we were doing some crazy things for, for for that time. You know, this was 2003, maybe. Um, you know, and, and the what you were seeing was believable. So I wouldn't mind going back in the ring with Brock at all. I would uh, love it. Um,
0: what do you think about this uh, Firefly Funhouse that Bray Wyatt is doing right now across Raw
2: and SmackDown? I'm, I'm still waiting to see the, the, the full outcome of this. Yeah. Um, you know, it's... it's it's been uh, White has a has a very uh, amazing mindset when it comes down to to being unique. So, uh, like I said, I'm I'm waiting to see the the final outcome and see what this turns out. I'm sure he has something up his sleeve that nobody is expecting sure. and it's gonna surprise.
0: I haven't expected anything he's done up till now. It just keeps getting a little weirder each week, you know?
2: (laughs) Yes, he is. Uh, That's great. Oh,
0: that's a lot of fun. Um, uh, Talk to me. I wanted to ask you, you know, you've been with WWE for so long now, since, you know, your time at WCW, how's your relationship with Vince McMahon evolved over the years that you've worked for the brand?
2: I think it's definitely evolved uh, at a great pace, you know, uh, 14 years prior to me leaving and, and now coming back. So let's say close to 16 years of being part of WWE, you know, but uh, honestly, when I came back, it, it really did feel like home. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and uh, my relationship with Vince has always been great. And it, it was a relationship that, that built to where it's at right now. You know, it didn't start from, uh, from the moment we met a great relationship, you know, um, I was very intimidated at first by Vince, you know, uh, because I, I knew it was gonna be really hard for me to get uh, an opportunity to perform at that level with that company.
0: Yeah.
2: And uh, when the belief was there, you know, I put in all my, my effort and my my mindset and my sacrifice to give the best. And that's what I've been doing for the past uh, 16 years.
0: Yeah. Um uh, now there's the uh, there's Vince's, you know, Raw and Smackdown and then of course uh you got the yellow brand over there. What do you think of NXT and the work that Triple H has been doing with that brand?
2: I think he's doing an incredible job. You know, I think uh um NXT has been uh recruiting their own fan base. Commentating is unbelievable. The matches are unbelievable. You know, the fact that they can uh do NXT like any WWE show, uh, Europe, uh, Mexico, U.S., you know, and travel. You know, it kind of prepares them to be, to get ready to be on the on the bigger stage because NXT is already a big stage, you know, within its own uh, right. So uh, I think uh, Hunter has done an incredible job with uh, revealing NXT slowly. Most of the stars that are on uh, Raw or SmackDown now have come from nxt yeah so he's definitely molding up the future of this business
0: now do you feel like that that nxt has changed the style of the WWE product at all a lot was made when you started using the canadian destroyer uh, on smackdown and people were like whoa ray gets to do the canadian destroyer i didn't know people got to do that these days
2: in wwe (laughs) i i i don't even recall me asking if i could do it or not you know i've always uh lay out what I want to do and, and, uh, there's no buts or, or ands, you know, uh, unless, um, you know, something is, is limited and is off, uh, limits completely because, uh, um, it's saved for something in particular. Then I, I don't even want to mix my, my, uh, thoughts into it. But with, with that move, uh, it's funny because when I did it, Everybody was shocked that I was able to do it. Yeah. Like, well, what's wrong with it? You know. So uh, I'm starting hearing the rumors on social media that that um, that they couldn't believe that I was able to do the Canadian Destroyer. I was like, well, if I was doing it uh, in the indie scenes. You know, why 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 could I could I not do it in WWE? And I had no idea that that it was banned or that that uh, uh, the stars weren't able to do that type of move. Oh. So. Again, I, that was just me being me, you know, and still to this day, uh, unless somebody tells me that I can't do it, then I'll probably stop doing it. Wow,
0: that's, that's awesome. How do you feel about Cesaro adapting your 619? You guys had a little moment the other the other night about that.
2: Yeah, I uh, I enjoyed very much watching Cesaro for the first time do the 619. <laughs> I don't recall if he was in the U.S. Or, or he was on tour in Europe yeah. at the time, but I had already left the company. And uh, there was a post uh, on a tribute to Cesaro doing the 619. And I believe he called it the Swiss yes. 19, yes. which I thought was really cool, you know. yeah. Uh, and I get this question asked a lot. Ray, man, what do you feel people do your 619 move? I said, that's, that's just a, a form of flattery on their behalf to uh, uh, to promote a move that that I made famous. You know, I think it's really cool because I wasn't even... I was the inventor of the 619, but that whole rotation in between the second and the third rope, you know, that was done way before my time. You know, Tiger Mask was the first one to ever do that move.
0: Wow. So, uh,
2: you know, I think it's, I think it's awesome that, that uh, this this new generation uh, will pull um, a Rey Mysterio move here and there every uh, once in a while. What I don't like is when they change the name. Mm. Uh, i think they just they should just call it the 619 and say hey there you go Ray." <laughs> unless it's cesaro
0: right then it's okay to call it the swiss one night <laughs> is that okay yeah yes <laughs> unless you're cesaro everybody else is the 619 um okay you brought it up the next generation you gave me my great pivot i'm gonna ask you what everybody who's listening has probably been waiting for me to ask you about the mysterio legacy looks to be continuing your son dominic has been by your side on wwe tv what led the, to the decision to use Dominic on camera
2: alongside you? Well, when I when I made my first appearance last year at the Royal Rumble, uh, Dominic was with me. Uh, you know, we kind of reintroduced ourselves and our faces. Dominic hadn't been seen for a minute yeah. in uh, backstage in WWE, so it was quite a surprise. Uh, to Vince and to everybody else that, that hadn't seen him for a long time. And me as well, you know, uh, three years is three years of not being in the company. So um, that kind of uh, reconnected, uh, you know, our our momentum going into uh, a future negotiation with WWE. Of course, I ended up signing and coming back in September. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another I would imagine that that some of the posts that were being loaded up on social media of my son training and, and, uh, you know, Hunter as well as Vince and everybody knew that Dominic was on the verge to to following in my footsteps and, you know, doing what I do. So uh, when the storyline with Joe came about, the question was asked if Dominic was ready. And I said, yeah, he's not ready to step in the ring As of yet, I said, but he's very close. So, uh, you know, one thing led to another. Next thing you know, uh, he's traveling with me because he had been traveling previous to him being on TV, just helping me out being on the road, kind of teaching him the lifestyle uh, of what it's like being on the road. Keep in mind, he was on the road with me when we did the angle with Eddie, but you know, he was seven years old, very different. you know, it was very, very different. very different. Now he's driving me opposed to me driving him. You know, he's, uh, we're, we're booking our hotels. We're booking our car rentals. And we're just en- enjoying life in general, father and son, uh, moments that, you know, possibly I missed while he was growing up at home and I was on the road. You know, now we get to share together as he wants to be part of this business.
0: That's that's amazing. Now, do you do you want Dominic's first pro wrestling contract to be with WWE or do you envision him going out and uh, making a name for himself outside of it before, you know, giving giving WWE a shot?
2: I think it's it's, and that's going to be a very hard call because what I want and and is very different than what he wants. Hmm. So uh, the only thing I can do is guide him and leave the answer for him to decide. You know, uh, and that's what I've been doing uh, for the last year or so, you know, uh, just kind of feeding them points and letting them know how this works and how this happens. And at the end of the day, you know, he's man enough now to make a decision on his own. I can't decide for him. So I'll put option A, B and C. And I'll say, here you, here you go. You pick. I would do this one. Me personally. I said, but you, you're the one that has to decide. So, uh, you know, I think he's been guided very well, and not only by me. Conan talks to him when he gets a chance. You know, uh, he's been around uh, this industry since he was a kid. So he's grown up in in this world. I think it's going to come naturally that he'll know what to decide when that time comes.
0: Okay, and I'll wrap up here by saying, you know, you uh, you did in some ways open up another opportunity for him because you were in the main event of All In, of course, here in my backyard of Chicago, which led to the launch of this mm-hmm. whole other promotion in AEW. I mean, how do you feel the launch mm-hmm. of AEW has has affected
2: the pro wrestling business? Uh, I don't. I don't uh, affected but possibly in the way that that now there's there's competition on the horizon. And, you know, competition has always been known to be good. And, uh, you know, I think that's that's uh, something that we're all going to have to face. You know, uh, that we're all going to have to step up our game uh, as much as talent, as uh, behind the scenes, everybody, you know. And I, I've always said that competition is always good, man, because it makes you hungry. It makes you want to strive for being the best. You know, for me, for my son now, because competition is going to be very heavy for him as well. You know, and they're going to want to see uh, a comparison between my son and myself. Is that going to happen? I really don't know. Uh, you know, my son is, is much taller than me, much heavier than me. Uh, will Will he be able to do a, a high flying style like like his old man? Uh, I'll be uh, I'll be very amazed if he pulls my style off. And I think he he can, it's all going to be a matter of, does he want to, you know, but, um, at the end of the day, um, this is, this is great for business in general. You know, we're all going to want to do our best to become the best. And I don't think there's better, um, option than wanting to be a best at, at your brand. Does,
0: does this at all remind you of the early days of the Monday night war right now, or does it feel different?
2: It, it still hasn't because it, it's still not out there fully yet. But uh, I'm sure it's gonna it's gonna have some flashbacks, you know, to all of us that were in that uh, era of the Monday Night Wars. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think uh, and the buzz is is going around already, and you know, a lot of people are gonna either crank up their energy level or. Or just feel confused, like what's going on. Yeah. But I think it's gonna it's gonna be the other way around. I think everybody's gonna wanna, you know, work hard at their craft. That's
0: wonderful, cool. Well, Ray, hey, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Uh, and again, uh, fight for autism, this amazing campaign that you've launched here uh, alongside David, who I know is still on the call. Uh, is there anything you want to leave everybody here with today uh, about fight for autism before we wrap up the interview? <laughs>
2: No, I think, I think it's, it's very cool if you can help me spread the awareness to, uh, uh, and it's not only Ray's fight for autism, but it's our fight for autism. You know, I, if you would have asked me this, uh, five or 10 years ago, uh, Ray, do you ever see doing some type of charity work? You know, uh, I probably would have told you, I, have, I don't I don't think I would, you know, um, this finally came, uh, and was presented to me at my table. And uh, it's something really special that I think uh, I'm going to learn as we move along and what better way than to, to help the youth, you know, that are fighting with autism survive and make it a better place for them. So help me spread awareness, please.
0: Awesome. And David, real fast, can you give everybody the website they can go to to donate the four dollars and enter the uh, the drawing for the Bujica <laughs> Bundle and everything else?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you just have to go to winwithray.com winwithray.com. You can make your donation. You're automatically entered to win the Boudicca Bundle. Uh, you can win T-shirts, hoodies, custom masks. It's amazing, and more importantly, you're you're helping a great cause. This is our fight for autism, for sure.
0: Thank you very much, Michael Weissman, for joining me at the top of the show to talk the news today. And thank you to Ray Mysterio. Again, it's winwithray.com, $4 donation. You're given to a good cause, and you also have a chance to win some awesome uh, prizes uh, from Fight for Autism and a chance to go hang out with Rey Mysterio at a WWE live event. It really doesn't get any better than that. Uh, thank you again, uh, Ray, and Fight for Autism for, for setting that one up. If you guys like the show today, or if you like the show every day, we're here Tuesday through Thursday in your ear holes on the podcast. We're also on the Ringside Wrestling app, free to download. We do a video version of The Winkly every Friday. Michael Weissman will be back. Uh, joining me in the in the co-host seat this Friday is Raj is still on vacation uh, but if you do like the show go over to our iTunes page five-star ratings nice comments always appreciated you can also go to our pro wrestling T store uh, buy a shirt take a photo of yourself in the shirt the wrestling Inc. shirt you tag me you tag the site we'll retweet you we'll give you some love and you can let everybody know this is your spot for pro wrestling news uh, this was a big show today I had Michael Weissman I had Rey Mysterio tomorrow will also be a big show I have Justin LaBar on the show. I also have the hottest free agent in pro wrestling, Eli Drake, will be on the show tell- talking all about why he recently left Impact Wrestling, uh, not taking that match with Tessa Blanchard at United We Stand, what his future looks like, AEW, a lot more. You guys are going to love it. And I also got the chance to talk to uh, Ring of Honor television champion Shane Taylor. He will also be on the show tomorrow, two big interviews. And uh, I think the thing everybody's going to probably be on the hook tomorrow night about to hear about is obviously Shane on a tear right now is the uh, tv champion but he's also recently been tagging with bully ray quite a bit at ring of honor shows including at madison square garden and i do ask shane taylor what do you think about the bully ray incident the roh tv champion you're gonna have to tune in tomorrow to find out what shane taylor thought about that uh michael is there anything you want to plug promote put over here to wrap up
1: Couple things. Not only will I be joining you later this week on the Friday weekly, I will also be back later today. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, I'll be doing the post-game show Um, This evening after SmackDown, of course we'll have Matt Morgan on as he is every Tuesday. But also, I'm bringing a special guest with me from my good old days between the ropes, and you might know him from Sporting News. Brian Fritz will be joining us for the SmackDown postgame show, and he's been getting some major interviews lately. Samoa Joe, a few other people, Roman Reigns recently. So I'm looking forward to having him talk a little SmackDown tonight. And then of course, as always, if if you like what I do, if you don't like what I do, either way, follow me on Twitter. I am at the Real Wiseman. That is the best way to keep up with my writings that I do for Wrestling Inc. and you know, I have some pretty cute animals in my household, two cats and a dog. So if you want to see pictures of them, follow me on Instagram. I am at Wiseman.ma.
0: Why do Crosby, Sills, Nash, and Young lyrics follow me everywhere? Two cats and a dog? No, it's two cats in the yard. Life used to be so hard. Now everything is easy because of you. That's what the words are. Uh, thank you all very much for tuning in. Uh, I am at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Uh, and remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it.